It's Wednesday, June 23rd, 2021. Welcome to the Philly Press Box Radio Roundtable, brought to you tonight by the Irish Rover Station House in Langhorne, PA, and Allstate Insurance in Westchester, PA. I'm Bill Furman. I'll be your host tonight, along with my partner, Jim Chet Chesko. Hey, Chet, the Sixers, well, the Sixers, where do we start? And then there's the Phillies. What a mess that team is. (laughs) Where do we start with that? We've got plenty to talk about in Philly sports again tonight. Unfortunately, for the moment, not much of it is good. I'm a little angry, Bill. I mean, not just because of the Sixers on Sunday night, but the Phillies continue to frustrate us. The bullpen's driving me nuts. Today, you had a five-run lead, a four-run lead, a one-run lead with the great Hector Neris in the ninth inning. Ah, we'll get into all that later on. We we will, but (laughs) we're going to start out with the Sixers, Chad, and – We've got a great guest tonight at Inquirer.com, Sixers insider Keith Pompey, who's going to walk us through what happened and where things are going and how this thing is all going to get fixed, because I know Keith's got all the answers. So welcome back to Philly Press Box Radio, Keith Pompey. Hey, thanks for having me back on the show, fellas. Hello, Keith. Uh, You know, we're going to talk about Ben Simmons, but I'm going to make you wait a minute or two for that. (laughs) Great to have you back on. We thought when we booked you, Keith, that we'd be talking about the Sixers Bucks or Sixers Nets starting their conference final series tonight. Now, instead we're doing kind of a season autopsy of sorts. So we'll hold off on Ben Simmons for now, but I want to ask you, first of all, how much blame does Doc Rivers warrant for what happened over this uh, last two weeks to the Hawks? Uh, he, he, he deserves, he deserves a lot of blame. I'm, I'm not going to say, let's just say, give. I'm not going to say 50%, but he has a percentage of it just because of, the adjustments, um, it, it just seems like late in games, guys didn't know what to do. Um, and they kept blowing leads, and there was no answers. Yep. I also think he left his bench in too long. Agreed. Well, uh, Keith, Chet wants to let go with Ben Simmons. I'm going to jump in on Ben Simmons because uh, I, I really have a question, um, and not to certainly make excuses because the things he did do, he didn't do well. But – uh, I'm puzzled by the strategy that Ben wasn't actually the point guard. He didn't push the ball up the court. They didn't get him involved. They buried him down in the paint somewhere, and he became a complete non-factor. Again, no excuses for missing all his foul shots and all that other stuff, but it was like they game-planned without him. Yeah, they did. I, and, and you know what it was about? It was all about uh, they knew that they were going to do hack of Ben or whatever, and they knew they didn't want him – around the ball. And if you notice, a lot of times they would take him out and then they would bring him right back after the two-minute mark. Um, you know, the, the thing is, we all know that Ben Simmons can't shoot foul shots. Um, we all know that he can't shoot from the outside. And, you know, teams are starting to take advantage of it. But, you know, the, the thing is, is, is it's kind of hard when you have a guy on the court, and especially a guy like him who can't shoot, and he doesn't have the ball in his hands, is really he's not going to be able to do anything for you uh, except dunk the ball, and he didn't dunk the ball. So, (laughs) you know, it's one of those things where, you know, I I think Doc kept him in the game because he didn't want to totally destroy him, but it just looked like they were settling to play four on five, and you can't do that in a close 
game seven. You just can't do that at all. Well, he is getting destroyed on Philly Sports Talk Radio this week, not surprisingly, and even with some national folks in the media as well. And to me, it's deserved. Uh, you can forgive a guy for, you know, missing shots or for having occasional turnovers, but it seemed evident that Simmons just didn't really want the ball. He didn't want to take shots. He didn't take a single fourth quarter shot the last three or four games, which is ridiculous. What's going on with him? Is it all a mental thing or mostly a mental thing? It's mental. I mean, 100% mental. You know, like this is my eighth year. This is my eighth season covering the Sixers. And I think, what, five with him. And I'm telling you, I would go to the arena early and I would see him do his workout. I mean, he would go all around the, um, the three-point line, draining threes, and then he would hit the uh, foul shots at an extremely high percentage. But as soon as when the crowd came into the arena, it's kind of like the, the lights came on, the game, so to speak. That's when he started missing. And it, it's 100% mental with this guy. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, to a point, I got tired of taking videos of him you know, making foul shots and making threes because people criticizing me for teasing them. So, you know, it's actually the word. But, um, but yeah, it's a hundred percent mental with Ben Simmons. Well, Keith, uh, you you guys mentioned turnovers. Uh, Joel Embiid created a bunch of them. Um, ten ten um, Atlanta turnovers in the last game. Eight for Embiid, his own self of the seventeen for the Sixers. Uh, I was a little puzzled by Embiid's end-of-year statement where it was almost like he knew the house was going to burn down and don't burn it down with me in it because I did this, I did that, I did that. Uh, I didn't much like that. Yeah, I, I didn't like it either. I mean, and, and I know what he was saying. He played his heart out, but I didn't I didn't feel like that was the time right then and there because even if he meant it to come across another way, like, hey, I'm sorry, y'all, I tried everything, you know, it, it, it's kind of looked like, well, the other dudes didn't play up the part, <laughs> yeah, yeah. but I, I did mine. You know, don't blame me. Don't blame me. You know, I'm not a part of this mess. And and you're right. I mean, you know, initially I listened to it, but then I listened to it again, and I and I came away the same way you feel, Bill. I just really didn't like that. Like that, I didn't feel like that was the time or the place for it. Well, not surprisingly, Daryl Morey didn't come out and say definitively either way whether Simmons will be here in the fall or not. But with his trade value pretty much having plummeted over the last few weeks, I'm guessing that he may well be back. So if that's the case, what is the plan? What are they going to do to fix him? I think they've tried the sports psychologist thing before. They've tried, uh, you know, having uh, a shooting guy. Herb McGee, I believe, was brought in. What are they going to do? And, you know, is he a guy who's willing to work with somebody who's going to try to help? Because we heard maybe he's not. Well, they need to go out and hire John Townsend back. And the reason why I'm saying John, John Townsend was the shooting coach that they hired specifically for Ben. And he was there his rookie year. And that's when Ben Simmons shot 70% from the foul line, right? Ben Simmons didn't want to deal with him anymore, so to speak. He wanted to hire his brother. And that's when his brother came. And when you look at from the 70%, to the 34% now, you know, it seems like this guy really knew what he was doing comparable to others. But, you know, I think what it is, is you know how everyone is kind of that old saying where, okay, well, he struggled under their watch. I know what I'm going to do. Talking about Doc Rivers, we're going to devise a plan for him. We're going to do whatever we can to make sure that he'll do it the right way. Well, at the end of the day, it's up to Ben Simmons. You know, I, it doesn't matter who he works out with. I mean, he can work out with his high school coach, JV coach, whatever. 
you know, if you don't put in the work and if you're not dedicated to it, it's not going to work out. So that's what they're thinking that, hey, we can do this now. Another thing is if you come out and you say we're going to work on his shot and you do work on his shot, it also does increase his trade value a little bit, too. So, you know what I mean? You don't want to make it seem like he's damaged goods as it sounds like the night before. And then the next day, Doc Rivers says, oh, we, we still believe it and we're going to work on his shot. So that's inc- trying to raise his draft, um, excuse me, not draft, but his trade value up a little bit. Yeah. Well, are you on the are you on the page to blow this thing up? I mean, can they win with Harris, Simmons and, and Embiid or do they need to make moves and, and improve one of those three? You know, I think they still need to make some moves. They do. Um, the, the thing is, and, and I get it, you know, you're going to trigger you're going to try to find, uh, fig, uh, figure it out. I, I think the problem is right about now, as Chet alluded to, his trade value is so low. So what are you going to get back in return? You know, I mean, now trading them for James Harden would have been great right about now. A lot of people would have been excited about that. Or if you got a Kyle Lowry, a local kid. But my thing is with his stock dropping and the fact that Doc Rivers said what he said the night before, which drops it even lower, you know, people are like, hey, we're not giving you what you want for Ben Simmons. You know, we'll give you a couple expiring contracts, but we're not giving you a megastar that you think you deserve to get. So it's going to be hard, in my opinion, to get something back for him that you think that you can win a championship with immediately. Well, another thing that won't help his trade value is what we heard from Stephen A. Smith via, you know, someone texting him yesterday. For people who haven't heard it, this is it right here. I just received a text from somebody very, very close to the situation in Philadelphia about Ben Simmons. This is a quote. This is not me. This is them. Quote, he doesn't work. He doesn't listen. And everyone around him is family. And he's constantly babied. In your uh, time covering Ben Simmons, have you noticed that? Is he, you know, being babied? And is he not the hardest worker on the team? You know, I I think that I'm going to say he's not. He could work harder. Let's just say that. He, he can do that. And his family is around a lot. I mean, he is the baby, right? And his brother works for him. His one sister worked for uh, Clutch, um, which was the agency that uh, hired him, right? So they're around. Now, here's the thing. I kind of bl- I, I blame the Sixers for this. Now, people are, like, the people are coming out and, and saying what they're saying. But this is stuff that people have been writing about for years and talking about for years. You know, you, when you have that process type thing, the goal was to keep Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid happy or whoever else they thought was going to be a star. So you enabled them to do whatever they wanted to do with no repercussion. So think what Ben Simmons is. He never had a veteran say, look, Rook, you're the superstar. You have to be the first one in the gym and the last one to leave. Typically, Ben Simmons was, you know, coming in like, like a role player or, or someone like this coming in. Maybe late he didn't put in a lot of work that you would think that an all-star, megastar would put in. But again, I blame the 76ers because they enabled him to do that. And as far as the culture, we heard stories, remember, uh, in the past about Brett Brown just babying them. So if you have the coach babying you, you have ownership babying you, everyone else, you're not going to work. I mean, you're like, hey, I'm the cash cow. I don't have to do anything. I'm still an all-star. I'm doing this and that. So 
while Stephen A. got that information, you know, that's stuff that is 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 the uh, Sixers' fault. They created the monster. Agreed. Agreed. And and to take that one step further, something else that has bothered me a bit um, is the load management situation and the fact that the team doesn't play together very much. And then they get to the playoffs and they expect to flip a switch. Um, and I wonder, you, you're a lot closer, obviously, than we are. Um, many teams that I've been around as a coach um, – Guys don't like to see other guys not practicing and not being there and not playing while they're busting their tails. And this guy is not, whether he's a superstar or he's not the superstar, it's in your head that I'm out here busting my tail and this guy doesn't have to do it. Is there that kind of problem? Do we have a, do we have a chemistry problem with the Sixers as well? For, you know, I, I, they're out there practicing more so than they were last year under Brett Brown. That's the one thing Doc has them on the court more. But they really don't practice at all. I mean, but I'm saying whenever they do something, they're out there because, you know, they just don't practice. Um, but last year, I'll definitely say that was a problem because there were certain guys out there who didn't practice, mm-hmm. uh, one in particular who didn't practice, and I, some of his teammates took exception to it. When, when, because it gets to a point when you're in a tough situation during the game and you make a mistake and a guy who doesn't practice is coming down hard on you and you're like, what are you talking about? Like, right. you weren't even at the practice or you weren't doing anything. So it, that could be a problem. But from my understanding, you know, Doc Rivers really had them out there this year when they did do the practices and stuff like that. So, And I think, you know, with Joel's situation – it was one of those things where I, I get you with the load management, but a lot of it was his knee, all these other ailments. So he really wasn't out there, you know, when he at all times because he couldn't be out there. But, you know, yeah, that I think Doc Rivers uh, corrected that more so than Brett Brown did. Keith, when the Sixers started tanking, you know, several years ago, the goal was to get higher draft picks, get assets get to some conference finals, maybe, you know, win a championship or two. They haven't gotten past the second round. Does that mean the process is a failure? Oh, yeah. They admitted that last year. I mean, especially <laughs> like, I mean, you look at this stuff right here where you got, you know, the, the X, the X, and the question mark. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was a, pro- a failure. I mean, you know, the one thing is I would say Dario Sarge, you know, was a good player. Robert Covington was a good player. They were not superstars. But the Sixers ended up trading them for Jimmy Butler, thinking that that was going to be part of the process where you go out there and you we have acquire assets so we can go out and make a trade. Well, you made a trade and this guy left after a year. So that was bad. And when you look at it, it's kind of like and I wrote this and, and I, I, I offended a couple people who had a 1976 Chevette. Um, and I said the Sixers are the equivalent. Of a night of, of a polished 1976 Chevette, and the means is it has a nice paint job, it looks good, but it still has high mileage and engine trouble, right? And that's what they are. And 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 I'm sorry to say that because you know you go out there, you get these guys, we, 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 you, you're hearing all the noise about how great they are. They get a new coach, they get a new general manager, a president of basketball ops. And they still go out in the second round. So they have a long ways to go. 
And you are right because the process, like, you know, right about now, they just seemed like the idea was good, but they didn't draft the right players. You know, right now, the only player that you can say is legitimate is Joel Embiid, and he has yet to play a full season, right? He has yet to be healthy in the playoff game. And Ben Simmons, a question mark, and all the rest of the guys who they drafted in the first round, lottery picks are all gone. So that's kind of bad. Yeah. 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 Well, you're the general manager, Keith, for the moment. Uh, Where do we start? What's the first thing general manager Keith Pompey does to right this ship? Man, you know, the first thing I would do is I have to try to bring a point guard in here. I mean, a real point guard. And and I'm not I'm not saying a knock about Ben Simmons, but I'm talking about you need a leader of men. You need someone who's going to be an extension, um, you know, of, of as a coach on the floor. You look at a guy like Chris Paul. He's he's old, right? That's what they say in basketball terms. I wish I was Chris Paul's age. And they say he's old, right? Me too. <laughs> exactly. They say he's old. But, you know, it's funny. You look at a team like the Phoenix Suns, a team that, you know, struggled, been struggling for years, and all of a sudden they go get him, and they're in the conference finals. He's not even playing right now, but he's texting everyone. He's making sure they do everything, communicating with the coach. That's a leader, and that's a point guard. That's what the 76ers need, you know, and, and, and they need to – they need some pretty good they, – they need to shore up the bench, and they need some pretty good uh, shooters, um, some more. But I but you need to start, in my opinion, with a legitimate point guard, someone who is proven, and they have to go get that now because I don't think that they're going to win anything that way. See, here's the problem with Ben Simmons being a point Typically, when I grew up and I played basketball, Little League, Little League, the coach would say, we have us doing drills, right, shooting the ball, stuff like that. Well, if you were the best shooter on the team sometimes, like you can shoot your foul shots, they're like, okay, he's going to be a guard. He's going to do this. He's going to do that. Because we're all like the same height at that time. And then all of a sudden, they start working on his ball handling. They start doing everything else like that. And he became the leader. And right now we have a situation where you have a guy – who has the ball in his hands, but you have to take the ball out of his hands in the playoffs because he can't make foul. And I think you're not going to win that way at all. Agreed. Um, Keith, final thing for me, Hawks, Bucks, Clippers, Suns, who you got? You know what? I have the the Suns thing is going to be easy. I'm going to take the Suns, right? I'm going to take the Suns. And, 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 you know, as good as the Hawks were, I I think the Bucks are just – a good team. I, I I can't see. I think Trey's going to get his points, but I think the fact that they don't they were missing two starters against the Sixers, I think that's going to come back and haunt them against uh, Milwaukee. I think Milwaukee is going to um, go to the finals. Okay. All right. Well, Keith, uh, that time just flew by. We uh, we appreciate you coming by and joining us as always, and uh, always great info. Hey, thanks for having me on the show, fellas. Wait, All right, you didn't get to rib him about the Giants. I, you know, I wanted to rib him about the Giants, but the Sixers <laughs> have us all so irritated. I just didn't even want to go to the Giants. Okay, we'll get him back for football season, though. Oh, okay, yeah, dude. Everyone's giving me a pass, even my cousins. <laughs> but we're not going to talk about the Giants. <laughs> all right. All right. Thanks a lot, Keith. Thanks, all right. Keith. Thanks for having me, fellas. Bye. All right. Hey, Chet, uh, if your couch is getting more mileage than your car, which it probably is, it's time to start. Saving with all states, pay-as-you-go auto insurance. 
You know it, Bill. Allstate's pay-as-you-go insurance puts you in control. You only pay for the miles you drive with the same full coverage that a traditional policy offers. Pay-per-mile insurance gives customers greater control of their insurance costs. See how much you can save with pay-per-mile car insurance by calling your local agent. In Westchester, Pennsylvania, that, of course, is Dave Lavoy. Call Dave at 610-430-0700. Once again, 610-430-0700. And start to save more now that you are driving less. Willie, where are you? Hey, everybody. It's Willie Nile here, and you're listening to Chet and Bill on Philly Press Box Radio. You lucky people. Well, Chet, uh, let's talk some baseball. Um, Phillies we come off to. a home. Yeah, we do. They come off some home field heroics, only to lose four of the six on the West Coast, followed by a loss last night, and then something indescribable today. This team has serious problems. But here's what I'm going to do for you, Chet, is I'm going to give you four topics, and I'm going to let you uh, just pick which one you want to talk about. Joe Girardi, <laughs> four relievers unavailable today in a four-and-a-half-inning marathon. Uh, Hector Norris and David Hale. Let's start there. <laughs> uh, first of all, yeah, the relief, Ricky Bo was crazy about this too. And, you know, I understand. How do you not have all these guys available? You were off on Monday. Yeah, some of them pitched yesterday. They threw 16 to 18 pitches. They're unavailable today, some of those guys. Give me a and break. Off, and off tomorrow. Off tomorrow also. I know you got a doubleheader on Friday. You worry about that on Friday. You got the off day tomorrow. It's ridiculous how they're babying these guys. Uh, I'm surprised Ricky Bow didn't completely blow a, a gasket on today's postgame show. He because, did. Oh, my God. How do you blow a five-run lead and a four-run lead? And then when it was just a one-run lead for Hector, you knew that wasn't going to work out. So, yeah, I'm a little ticked off today, Bill. Yeah, well, me too. And uh, – you know, Tom McCarthy told us last week that he thought that Hector was still the best option. Um, you know, he, he said Brogdon was too inexperienced and, you know, Alvarado didn't throw enough strikes. But did you think for a second when he came in in the ninth inning of a slugfest game that he was going to hold that lead? Of course not. No. I never think positively about Hector. He's blown three of the last five appearances that he was in, he blew a save. He's got five this year. I thought he had seven, but I was wrong. I was off by two last week. He's only got five, but he'll add to that, I'm sure, uh, at least if he gets more opportunities. I'm hoping maybe Joe will come to his senses, and that won't happen. But on the other hand, the alternatives aren't that great either. Archie Bradley has not been good. Sam Coonrod's been re really been struggling of late. Um, I think they're grooming uh, Ranger Suarez to be a starter, so which probably makes a lot of sense. So, yeah, they don't have a lot of great opportunity or alternatives to Hector. Well, I, I think you, you got to give Brogdon a shot. You know, I, I was looking at his stats, Jed, and this didn't include the last two games in which he pitched uh, no-run innings. Um, he had a six-run outing where he gave up six runs when he got gave up two three-run homers, I believe it was. Yeah. Um, you take that game away, and his ERA is like 2.55. And that was before these last two games. So he's somewhere, say, at 240, something like that. Give the kid the ball. Give the kid the ball. Let him play. What's he going to do, worse? <laughs> Can't do much worse. And you know who should never get the ball again? David, David Hale. Hale. <laughs> David Hale is god-awful. Get him off the team. Uh, as much as I dislike Vince Velasquez, when they brought in David Hale today, I said, this isn't going to work out well. One or two pitches, three-run homer. Boom. Or was it the grants? A three-run homer, I think. Uh, yeah, so so 
Joe, we'll get to Girardi too, uh, and Hale in that situation. He said he was trying to stretch the game out and get some innings out of Hale. Uh, I don't know what would make think uh, Girardi think that he could get people out and extend that game. Uh, but who makes who's making these decisions if people are unavailable? I have a hard time believing that these Ranger Suarez and Connor Brogdon are saying, I can't go today. I, I just don't believe that. I think Joe said a few months ago that he was going to go easy on his guys or be protective of his guys and not overwork them to make sure that, you know, they weren't going to harm themselves. Cause you know, it's a long, he knows it's a long season. And last year it was just the 60 game season. So I think he's trying to err on the side of caution, but come on, these are professional well, athletes. Well, it's not a long season. If you keep blowing games, the season's going to end a lot quicker than you want it to. Cause you won't see September baseball when you're 10 games out because you can't hold a lead. And that's a sad thing. They're only four and a half games out, unless the Mets played today. I'm not sure. They're four and a half, depending on what the Mets do or did. Um, they're still very much in this race. And, I mean, they've blown so many games already. As we mentioned, Hector Neris has five blown saves himself. Uh, they could be right there. And they are getting guys back, theoretically. You know, Segura and uh, Didi Gregorius will be back soon. Um Bryce Harper looks like he's coming around. Alec Bohm, who is fine and healthy, is really starting to hit now the last few days, which is great to see. Uh, so they have the offense, I think, but the pitching remains a concern. Uh, we thought it was going to be a lot better than last year, but even now some of the top guys, the, the starters, are a cause for concern. Zach Eflin has not been good lately. Wheeler struggled last week, even though he threw six shutout innings, and then yesterday he really labored through three innings. So there are concerns with everybody pretty much on this pitching staff. Yeah, well, and that leads me away from the Phillies a little bit, but still kind of involved. Let's talk about sticky stuff in your, on the baseball. <laughs> um, you know, and, and Joe Girardi plays into this with what happened last night. Uh, pitchers, the good pitchers aren't pitching well either. Um, what do you make of it? And, I mean, it's real. It's real. And, and, and what's going to happen with it? Oh, yeah, it's definitely real. And I'm glad Major League Baseball is doing something about it. But we saw, you know, with last night, it's going to tick off a lot of pitchers when they're going to get checked multiple times. Uh, I, I could understand why Scherzer was upset. But then again, I, I'm not sure about his explanation where he admitted he you know, kept going to his head because he had the sweat on his head, even though it wasn't a real hot night. And that helped him to grip the ball better. I mean, I don't know what's legal and what's not legal anymore. You can use the rosin bag, and you can apparently use sweat. What if you stick hair gel in there, too? Is that legal? I don't know. So it's going to be something that they're going to have to revisit often, I think, over the course of the next few months. Yeah, well, Scherzer, Scherzer admitted it. I mean, he said he was, yeah. it was sweat and rosin, and he was trying to get a grip. And, and I'll tell you, uh, Chad, as you know, yesterday I drove from uh, – Philly to Florida. So I had a lot of windshield time and, uh, and radio time. And I ended up listening to, uh, it was a CBS sports thing. And there was a fellow that is a Houston Astros broadcaster named uh, Jeff Blum. Jeff Blum actually played in the big leagues for, I believe, 14 seasons, won a, won a World Series. Um, but he said in late in his career, when he was in a couple places that had um, retractable roofs, he didn't, he didn't know for a lot of his career, but these guys kept, 
he kept wondering, why do they have all this suntan lotion on on a retractable roof? Ah. They were loading themselves up with suntan lotion just because it was a substance that would help them grip the ball. He also said it was very interesting because he really didn't dog out on the pitchers about this. He said when the pitchers show up for opening day, they don't know what baseball they're getting. Yeah. The new batch of baseballs comes opening day, and it may have higher threads. It may have lower threads. The ball's different, and this is the pitcher's edge to get a grip on the baseballs. Scherzer said that last night. I couldn't get the grip on the ball. So he was trying to do something to help his grip. Uh, it's It's a real interesting situation. Yeah, it is. And uh, I don't think they're going to let it go on like this. You know, the the pitchers are going to be ticked off about getting checked all the time. Uh, On the other hand, managers, you know, are they going to be doing this just to get into the other team's heads? They have to show somehow evidence that it's a legitimate reason to have the umpires check the opposing pitcher. But then you got to think, well, maybe some of my own pitchers are doing the same thing if there is something illegal. So it's going to be really interesting to see how this plays out over the course of the season. Well, and how about John Kruk last night on Post Game Live saying that he had, when he played in San Diego, he didn't say who it was, um, but the catcher was the one loading the ball for the pitcher. Yeah, and that's that's the thing. The catcher could have something. The first baseman could have something when, when they throw the ball over there. So what are they going to do? Are they going to check, you know, all the players on the team in the field? It's it's going to get out of hand. And we already have the problem with the length of games. Last night's game, Ooh. three hours, 52 minutes. Today, I think it was four hours, 20 minutes or 421. Um, I know there were a lot of runs scored today, but still, you know, most people don't want to sit and watch a four-hour baseball game or a three-and-a-half-hour game, and yet we're still getting a lot of those. Yeah, and, and it, I mean, I guess if there's anything like today, at least there was a lot of hitting. You know, people want to see hitting, and, and there was a lot of that, but there were a lot of walks, a lot of pitches thrown. Just a, It was just a long, long game. If that's a 7 o'clock start, you're not getting done till 11.30. You're not getting home till 1 o'clock. Yeah. Well, Crucky was happy with the way they were uh, approaching things offensively. They weren't you know, worry, or they were making sure they weren't striking out. They were putting the ball in play, and that's good. You put the ball in play, good things can often happen, and they did. They had a lot of hits. Uh, there was an error, I think, on Washington. When you strike out, not nothing good's going to happen. So, right, right, right. <laughs> one, one other thing I wanted to bring up, uh, Chet, and I don't know if you caught this over the weekend or I saw a couple articles about it, but I listened to it live while uh, the Phils were in San Francisco. When John Crook anointed Jimmy Rollins the second greatest Philly of all time. Wow, I did not hear that. He did. And, uh, of course, Rollins was broadcasting the game along with Crook. And <laughs> uh, and uh, John was, was kind of slobbering all over Jimmy. And uh, so he named him the second greatest Philly of all time. Uh, you agree? Of course and, I don't and, agree. And a Hall of Famer. And he should be a Hall of Famer. He's a borderline Hall of Famer. I know you and a lot of people maybe don't think that, but based on the statistics and, you know, what he brought to the team, I think he is a borderline Hall of Famer. I don't think he's going to get in. But second greatest Philly of all time, no. Come on. No. No. <laughs> there's, there's you know, 10 or 12 guys I would immediately put ahead of him, you know, Dick Allen, Steve Carlton, of course, Schmidt, number one. Um, then you go back, you know, the, the Chuck Kleins and uh, – yeah, a lot of other guys are going to be ahead of him on the list. Yeah, yeah. Well, I thought that was uh, that was interesting. And 
they had, they had a lengthy conversation about it. It wasn't just a, uh, you know, throw it out there and see what happens. They had a lengthy conversation <laughs> with John Miller about uh, what all Jimmy brought to the table. I, I really thought it was interesting that the crook threw himself out there uh, on that. I'm not sure he was the best. I'm not sure he's the best player on his team. Oh, yeah, because he was there with Utley and Howard, of course. So, yeah, I don't know. Uh, interesting weekend, though, with uh, the broadcast only on, um, not YouTube. What was it? Where was the game? Um, Peacock. 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 Peacock, yes. Yes. Yes, which I do have, and I was able to watch bits and pieces of each of the three games. But uh, I like John Miller, so that was kind of good. And uh, it, it was kind of fun to hear the different announcing team, you know, Kruko. Crook, uh, Rollins, and I like John Miller, so it was different. But I know a lot of people are unhappy because they couldn't find the game. Um, you know, they'd rather it just be where it's always been, and I understand that. Yeah, well, I do too. But I, I enjoyed it too because I always like John Miller. Uh, the only the only thing I would say about it, and it not necessarily anybody's fault, because of the travel situation and last year being what it was, John was a little bit uninformed on some things all the way over here on the the right coast from the left coast, you know, that <laughs> uh, he just wasn't really up to speed on some things, but he had guys there that kind of gradually moved him into, to those, just like, just like Kruk wasn't up on some things out West. So, of course, yeah. Uh, yeah, but I, I, I think if, if it was not John Miller, maybe it might not have been so successful, but John's, John's a great announcer. Yeah. He's a pro. All right. Wait, well, hey, let's give a shout out to all the, well, did we cover all four items? Anything else you want to say? Um, Dale, Neres, Girardi, Girardi. Well, we already said Neres has to go. Girardi, we, I think, overrated as a manager. I mean, right now he's being greatly (laughs) outmanaged by Gabe Kapler, whether (laughs) people want to hear that or not. Look what the Giants are doing with, I think, an okay team and not a great team. And look what the Phillies are doing. I know they've had injuries, but still, Girardi has not had a good season and a half as Philly's manager and uh, he's got to turn things around or they're, as you said, they're going to be out of it before August 1st. That's right. All right. Let's, uh, let's give a shout out to all the shows at the edge of Philly sports network jet, which we are part of birds IQ every Monday, 7 PM live with Kyle and Eric Quinn talking Eagles football. Edge of Philly Sports Live, Joe, Freddie, and Big Al cover four for four and so much more Philly sports. They are live tonight, every Wednesday, 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Join Tom Kelly and the gang at Patterson Avenue Fanatics Saturday mornings at 9 a.m. talking all things Philly sports. You can check out all the shows at www.eopsports.com. Help us out by hitting those subscribe, follow, and like buttons as well as share with your family and friends. Don't forget to sign up for the weekly EOP newsletter that arrives each Friday by email. So, Chet, <sighs> that brings us to the bell. Do we oh, have a bell tonight? A bell? This one here? That one. We're ringing it. We're ringing it, Bill. <sighs> All right. As I'm sure is the case with you, Bill, I get into a whole lot of music in the 1970s, and one of my favorite bands from that era was, yes, Kiss. They perhaps didn't have the profound lyrics of a Springsteen or a Dylan or the musical chops of Pink Floyd, the Stones, or Queen, but they rocked and they were lots of fun. As I've mentioned on here previously, Kiss was my very, very first in-person concert 
That happened in 1976. There was one of the tour posters from 76. That was at the Harrisburg Farm Show Arena. Yeah. And in their first 10 years together, they put out 17 albums, and that included four solo albums and two live albums. And believe it or not, I owned 16 of the 17 albums. There was the debut album, Kiss, came out in 74. There was, of course, the one that really put them on the map, Kiss Alive. Yeah. And all the way up through 1983, Lick It Up, which was the first one without the makeup. There they are. Good-looking guys right there. Well, anyway, um, I had everything. I had Kiss books. I did. I had Kiss um, posters. I had this one up in my room, believe it or not, just all four of them hanging on my wall. The good old days. I have this Kiss Marvel comic book from 1977 which, by the way, is worth a few hundred dollars on eBay. So I got to keep this in good shape. I'm not just going to toss this aside. Uh, I've never actually got to meet the guys in KISS. I wish I did. I actually saw them again, by the way, in 2019. So 43 years after seeing them the first time around, I saw them again at the Wells Fargo Center. As I said, never got to meet them personally, although I did meet a few KISS cover bands like this one in 2015 outside at Parks. Um, 48 years into it, Paul and Gene are still in KISS, and this coming August, they will resume their end-of-the-world tour that will go well into 2022 or maybe even 2023. Who knows? Uh, allegedly, then, they will finally call it a career. And this coming Sunday, by the way, there is on A&E a biography, a two-part biography starting called KISS Story. So, yeah, two nights, Sunday and Monday, and yes, of course, I will be watching because I was a huge fan of KISS. So, Bill, I'm going to bring you back and uh, get your thoughts on this great rock and roll band, KISS. Well, Chet, you're going to find this hard to believe, but I saw KISS live myself at the Spectrum. Uh, in the 70s? 1978-ish, maybe. Sounds good, yeah. Um, there was like a little uh, kitty kitty rock band back then though you know uh that's why i'm not surprised you liked them but <laughs> i was a teenager you know <laughs> when i first started out so yeah they were a lot of fun i like i said i know they didn't have the musical chops of led zeppelin or the stones or some of those other bands but they were fun and you know rock and roll all night is still going to go down as one of the great anthems of rock and will always be that way yeah absolutely and, and you know these guys uh kiss and a whole lot of others that are still here like you said, 40, 50 years, you know, they're still around. They're still making good music, still putting on great shows. Uh, hey, it's all good. Speaking of guys who've been around a long time, I don't know if you heard, but today they announced Elton John is coming back to Philadelphia next year. He's resuming his farewell tour. Tickets going on sale in the next couple of days for a July 15th show next year. Next so year. 13 years from, or 13 months from now, you can see Elton John at Citizens Bank Park. Yeah. And uh, that is the first stop in the tour, I believe they said. Yeah. The first stop of that leg of the tour. I think he's going to be overseas first and then uh, comes back to the U.S. and opens it up in Philly. So there one, you go. One more big money run for Elton John. <laughs> Not, yeah. He shouldn't need it, but bucks. apparently he does. I, I don't know. I don't know. Hey, hey Chet, um, I got another topic I want to throw at you. We sit here nearly July the 1st as Philly sports fans and not a lot to cheer for. Uh, we talk Sixers. We talk Phillies. They're average. The Eagles are rebuilding. The Flyers collapsed. 
Uh, there's a lot of disappointment right now amongst the fan base. Uh, are the expectations too high every year of Philly fans that uh, if we if we don't get it done, which we haven't very often, that we uh, are not a happy fan base and just not happy? There's a lot of unhappiness in Philadelphia. <laughs> I mean, really, the last calendar year has really been tough, Bill, because we thought all four teams were going to do better than they did. It started, you know, with the Phillies last year because we got, hey, we got Joe Girardi. Things are going to get better. They didn't. Then we thought, well, the Flyers had a pretty good run the previous year. Carter Hart's going to really come on, be a great goaltender. That didn't work out. Didn't even make the playoffs. Uh, the six, well, We saw what happened with the Eagles, a four-win team. And then the Sixers, we thought, okay, Doc Rivers. Yeah, he's had some trouble in the playoffs in the past, but he did win a title. He's a change from Brett Brown. He's going to get these guys to play together. Maybe he'll even get Ben Simmons to shoot from the outside. None of that happened, and he enabled Ben. We kind of alluded to that with Keith. And we thought for sure they'd at least make the conference finals this year. They get bumped by the, the Hawks. Major upset right there. So, yeah, we're kind of used to disappointment. I don't know if it's that we set our expectations too high or just these teams have, for whatever reason, underperformed. Yeah, and, and you know, I think, and, and, you know, you and I are old. We've been around a long time. We remember when these teams were bad. We remember when none of them were any good. And we don't want to go through that again. No, like we don't want to go through it again. But there's a younger generation that remembers a lot of good. Not many bad Eagles teams in the life of a, what, 35-year-old. Yeah. that they can remember. And, uh, you know, the Flyers have always usually been competitive. The Phillies won a World Series. They had that great run. Um, and and we're more than patient with what the Sixers were trying to do because they thought there was a, you know, a, a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. Uh, none, of that's, none of that's there now. Now we have a younger generation that might, unfortunately, get to see what you and I saw as youngsters, and that's not good. Yeah. The good news is I think all of these teams can turn it around. Um, I'm cautiously optimistic that all of them will be better in the next season or two. Uh, I, I really have faith in Daryl Morey with the Sixers. I think he's going to get something done. If he can't trade Ben Simmons, I think he's going to at least, you know, get people in that will really, really make an effort to help him and hopefully he'll pay off. Um, I'm still giving Joe Girardi credit and, and hope that, you know, once he gets everybody healthy, that things will get better. The bullpen, though, just continues to bother the heck out of us. The Eagles, who know? It, who knows? It's a big mystery as far as what Nick Sirianni is going to bring as a head coach. So who knows? And Carter Hart, we like him as a goalie, and I, I hope that the Flyers will get back on track. Again, no guarantees, but I'm hopeful. Well, you know, and, and I think the thing that probably frustrates me the most is, you know, the, the players. the players are kind of different. These days, I think we, we kind of talked a little bit about that with the Sixer stuff. But, you know, they got Doc Rivers. They got Elaine Vigneault. They got uh, Joe Girardi. They brought in names that with with high expectations, guys that have won wherever they've been. Um, but then you turn around and you see the same old thing. The Phillies defense every night. That's inexcusable. You know, that's a manager's job. That's his coach's job. Uh, to to be able to do these things right every night, it's fundamental stuff. Uh, and same same with shooting foul shots. And today, uh, even you know, and a lot of these things they're not even called errors, but like the one hit that dropped in that fifth inning where Vinny came unraveled, 
There was the ball that hit in between uh, second base and center field. Brad Miller, who was playing second base, not a great second baseman. Of course, he doesn't even play there much. And O'Double converging on it. O'Double has to make that call and, you know, make the attempt to catch the ball. Instead, it's Brad Miller going for it. Doesn't even get his glove on it. That should have been caught. And that led to the huge inning for Washington. And, you know, that was one of the reasons they lost this game. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, and, and, you know, again, I was uh, with my driving the other day uh, talking about baseball. I happened to be down around the Baltimore area, and I was all, got the Baltimore radio on, and they're going through the same thing down there, and they're saying, how can you have a, a game, a Major League Baseball game, where no one was the cutoff man? No <laughs> one lined up to be the cutoff man on a throw that ended up rolling into the catcher like a Little League game while guys are running the bases. So it's not just here. It's just fundamental baseball and whether, you know, back to what Keith said, are, are these guys, you know, well, they don't really practice. We know in hockey they didn't practice. They didn't have enough time between games to really practice. So, um, you know, this is basic fundamental stuff you learned in the Little League and certainly in your high school uh, where you're supposed to be and what you're supposed to do. But here we are at the pro level and we're not doing it. Got to work on those fundamentals. Uh, hey, Bill, I, I got to ask you this. Um, you've lived in Florida most of the last couple of decades, I guess. We just officially went into summer. Are you a summer guy? I know it can get really hot down there, of course, but are you a summer guy? Because I love summer. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, it could be summer. It could be summer all year round. Matter of fact, it is summer all year round. Yeah, for you. Uh, <laughs> I mean, spring and fall are good too, but I am absolutely not a fan of winter. But summer, you know, despite occasional excessive heat and humidity, is still my favorite because it's generally pleasant weather. The days are long. You got ball games. You got picnics. And as my photos might make it evident, I enjoy my pool also. Uh, and the, the beer just tastes even better when you're outside on a hot That's day. Right. That's right. Um, and, of course, there are the summer concerts, too, outdoor concerts. And I've got, I think, four or five of those coming up in August and September. So I'm really looking forward to that. And there's a song that Springsteen does called Girls in Their Summer Clothes. So there's there's that, too. Uh, so, yeah, summer ain't a bummer. No, no. And, <laughs> and I tell you, just just for being outside, I just like to be outside. And here uh, I pretty much get to go outside every day to do something. You know, yeah. it's, uh, and and back when I worked a lot. Uh, you know, you, you would wear your coat to work and you would carry it home because it would be, you know, maybe in the, maybe 40 in the morning and it would be 60 in the afternoon you bring it home. So, uh, yeah, I, I love the summer. I love the heat. And uh, you got to be, you got to outsmart it though down here. You don't go out and oh, do yeah. your yard work at noon. You know, <laughs> you, 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 you get the, you're back in the house before noon. Looking I for got you. To watch. Hey, so we, one other. Yeah, go ahead. I was going to say we officially went into summer uh, Sunday night, and then you know all day Monday, the first full day. But my calendar tells me also that today, June twenty third, is National Pink Day, which is a celebration of the color pink and everything it represents. But of course, my mind went to the singer Pink, and <laughs> I'm actually a big fan of hers. She's a Central Bucks West alum born in Doylestown, and she's an amazing talent and one of my favorite female singers of the 21st century. And I have ne not, I've yet to see her in concert, but I do want to see her one of these days. So regardless, happy National Pink Day. I like her too. <laughs> uh, all right. Hey, I have one other topic I wanted to, to get your take on that's general to all the sports. Um, how about gambling? 
uh, I know you from time to time like to throw down the little token every every so often for spur your interest in a game. But what do you how do you feel about game betting and in-game betting and Taron Hatcher giving you updates between periods of what odds are of the rest of the game and and things like that. Uh, <sighs> do you like this part of the broadcast and is it really part of the game and should should it be going this way? It's funny you mention that because we're going to talk about some of that with our guest next week. Ah, That's a little hint. But uh, as for me, I think it's a little overdone. I'm personally fine with gambling if people want to do that. I do it myself. I did throw $50 on the Sixers to win the NBA title, which would have brought me 650 had they won it. So I'm out 50 bucks. Oh, well. Uh, yeah, I, I rarely bet more than 10 or 20 bucks. I did 50 on the Sixers. I did 40 on the Phillies going over 500 for the season. They've still got a shot at that. Um, beyond that, yeah, I'm just a very low-budget gambler. But, uh, yeah, I think they do overdo it a little bit much with the in-game updates as far as the, the changing odds and all that. But we're going to talk about that next week with one of our guests. Okay. Well, I didn't know that, uh, so I won't go any further with that. I will, We'll talk about that next week. Okay. Who knows? Great minds think alike. Yeah, yeah, make make a point of that for next week when uh, we have this person on with us. Uh, well, speaking of that, that was next on the list. Uh, what a segue, guest huh? tonight in Keith Pompey. So Keith was great, by the way. He Her- really was, man. Keith is Keith is good. He has his finger on the pulse. All things Sixers, and uh, yeah, good to have him back on. And, and we threw some good questions at him, and he he didn't flinch for a second to answer them. So yeah. and that that was cool. So who you got coming to Philly Press Box Radio next week? Well, Bill, next week he may no longer be with the Inquirer and Daily News, but this guy still has plenty of sports knowledge, and he's going to impart some of that with us. It's Ed Barkowitz joining us to talk about the entire Philly sports scene. And yes, Bill, gambling. So always good to talk to Ed. There you go. Who knew? (laughs) Yeah, you never know who I'm going to bring on as far as future guests, but uh, that's one of the topics for Ed next week is the whole gambling thing. So there you go. Okay. All right. Um, anything before we get to our parting shots? Um, we didn't talk about the Eagles at all, and it's summertime. And I'm wondering what's going on with Zach Ertz because it's June. We thought something might happen right after, you know, that June 1st deadline. And, you know, I was listening to WIP yesterday, and they have Elliot Shore Parks on there occasionally. I think once during the week and then on Saturday, he and James Seltzer do a show. And he said yesterday he still thinks there's a 35% chance, which I found extremely high, that the Eagles would trade for Deshaun Watson. I'm not seeing that. Um, They said even if they know he's going to be suspended for four games for his, you know, problems, that they would take a shot at getting Deshaun Watson if it was a deal that they could pull off. I don't think it's going to happen. I don't know that I'd want it to happen, but any thoughts about him? Great player. Great yeah. player. Oh, yeah. Uh, you, you really catch me off guard with that because I would not have expected to hear that. I would have said um, 10%. Yeah, yeah. Most. I mean, I guess any, any deal make it go if you throw enough at it. But, uh, no, I mean, I think I would like it. I think the guy can play. Um, it would be interesting. Yeah, I mean, he can he can absolutely play, but I guess you know then you're flipping your franchise around again. Watson's got to be what in his 
fourth or fifth season now? Yeah, I think fourth. Yeah. Maybe, maybe fifth, but no more than that. Yeah, so, I mean, are you going to start with new coach, new quarterback with Jalen Hurts, basically a new quarterback, uh, or do you bring somebody else in? Maybe maybe you get a little bit better with him. I, I don't know. It's uh, it's an interesting scenario. If he comes cheap, if he comes on the cheap, not bad. Yeah. If you got to give up a lot for him, then maybe not so good. Well, that's the thing. They don't have a whole lot to give up. You know, you have right. to give up. They you have to give up first round draft picks and you know a couple of quality players probably and uh, I don't see much winning in the next year or two. Yeah, but speaking of the Eagles and Nick Sirianni, it's interesting to me, Chet, that the whole entire NFL is quiet. Do you notice that there, there's just this is the time where it's getting cranked up. There's all these rumors going on. Camps are going to be opening before long. Many camps have been happening. In very, very little news on the national level as well as the local level about the NFL. Which is very rare because the NFL has kind of made itself a year-round entity. But all of a sudden, it's very quiet here in June. Nothing going on with free agencies or trades. Uh, you know, the draft is behind us. So it is a quiet period, but it will start up again in July because I think training camps do open up around July 22nd or thereabouts. Yep. So. Yep. Yeah, yeah. the NFL machine manufactures news. They make sure they stay in the headlines, but it just seems odd that they've been very quiet and been out of the news for sure. Yep, yep. All right. Hey, one thing I wanted to say, Chet, uh, rest in peace, Rene Robert. I saw French, that. The, old... the Buffalo Sabres French Connection. Yeah. 72 years that? old, uh, had a, apparently had a massive heart attack when went into the hospital and didn't make it back out. Just 72 years old. What a great player for the old Buffalo Sabres way back in the day. Rest in peace, Renee. I got a parting shot, Bill. Do you? Do you have a happy I, birthday to Todd Rundgren? I do not, but he's, what, 75 now? 73, I believe. Okay. I think that's what they said. 73. Yeah, 70-something. But and, uh, and, Rock and Roll Hall of Famer, and he's doing a concert this fall also, so I will not be seeing him. And you know what I learned about Todd Rundgren? Delaware County guy, by the Upper way. Upper Darby. Upper, well, Westbrook Park, Upper Darby. Yeah, yeah, Westbrook did. Park section of Upper Darby. Did, what I did not know that they said is he was the producer of Meatloaf's Bad Out of Hell album. I did know that, yeah. Did you? I did, yes, I, I did. Th I thought I might have had one on you. Nope. And, uh, yeah, I loved him you know, since the early 70s with We Gotta Get You a Woman, Hello, It's Me, all those bigots. Gotcha. All right, let's hit your parting shot. All right, Bill, we all have a good sports story, and we certainly got one this past week. In early June, golfer John Rahm was leading the third round of the Memorial Tournament in Ohio by six strokes when he was informed that he had tested positive for COVID-19 and had to withdraw. Well, fast forward just a couple of weeks, and he wins his first major. Yeah, the U.S. Open. John Rahm on Father's Day, which happened to be his first as a father because he's got a two-month-old little boy, not to mention a pretty wife. So congrats to John Rahm. How can you not be happy for a guy who, you know, was probably very low just a couple of weeks earlier and then wins a major uh, on Father's Day? So congrats to John Rahm. That, that is cool. You imagine, you imagine having to walk off the golf course. You're in a golf course. It's like... <laughs> Four of you around. Yeah. And you got and you gotta go. That's Unbelievable. Awful. And one other yeah. thing which we both posted about on uh Facebook today, that it was fifty years ago today that this guy, Rick Wise, not only threw a no-hitter, but also hit two home runs against those powerful Cincinnati Reds, Pete Rose and Tony Perez and those guys. 
And I watched it. You probably did, too. I was visiting my sister in Levittown, Pennsylvania that uh, late summer or late June week. And, uh, yeah, what a memory that was. And they had Rick on the pregame show today talking about it. He says he can't remember what he did last week, but he remembers that game 50 years ago. (laughs) I bet he does. And, uh, you know, they're talking about the universal uh, designated hitter. If that comes true, that never that never gets broken. If it could even be broken now, Tony might be able to do something yeah. with it out there in L.A. But uh, Ranheim, you know, but, Rick, uh, had, Rick had six home runs that season and fifteen yeah. in his career. He was a good hitter. He was a good hitter, pretty good pitcher too. And yes, uh, he was clearly. And we've talked about this before. How about the day he got traded and everybody was like, "Are you kidding me? We had Carlton and <laughs> we're giving up Rick Wise. You we're giving up all we got, Rick Wise." Yeah. <laughs> oh well wrap it all up right. Bill. all right let's do it let's thank tonight's special guest keith pompey our sponsors the irish rover station house bob sullivan's like your age.com ppcc 118 Raz room and all-state insurance in westchester pa for jim chechesco this is bill Furman. we hope you enjoyed the show we'll join philly press box radio next wednesday june 30th at 7 p.m you can see us live on facebook or listen through our website, phillypressboxradio.com, on blogtalkradio.com slash phillypressboxradio, on Google Podcasts as well as Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and all the others. Check us out. I hope Philadelphia sports fans. I hope.